Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, the voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go! Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time Live. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live! This is Amanda Celine Miller, the voice of Boruto and Sailor Jupiter, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. It's time for your Talk Time Live exclusive. You are now about to witness the strength of geek knowledge. Ladies and gentlemen, on the show with me right now is what I consider as one of the defining examples of underground hip-hop in the record to some extent. He, alongside with Mega Ran, created the follow-up album Emerald Nights 2, which made it to multiple not just one, but multiple Billboard charts. And he is here to talk about that and much more. Folks, please welcome Felix Dongato, a.k.a. Bag of Tricks Cat. My man, what's going on? What's going on, Dax? Not much, man. First of all, thank you. I've been, you know, I was just talking about it like uh, off, off mic, and I'm like really glad to finally get you on the show, man. There's so much I've been wanting to talk to you about. Like you are a real like ill dude <laughs> on the mic. and Thank you, man. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Happy to be talking to you. No doubt. So we're going to learn a little bit about you, especially our listeners here who may or may not know more about you. But uh, you got some interesting, significant things about your persona and, and such like that. And I, I want to get um, into your head as to where you are in, in the philosophy and mind of hip hop. So I, I want to talk about your name first. You know, you use the uh, the character, the classic character. Unfortunately, you're the. I think you're one of the only people that are keeping this character alive in this day and age. Um, but the character of Felix the Cat, which is one of the most classic, iconic animated characters, like you're. I mean, we're talking dated way back to the times of like early great animation and such like that. But you're using that with a deeper connection. And can you talk to us about that connection that you have with the character? Yeah, well, going stemming back to what you were saying about the character, the character itself um, was actually the first televised image ever. Yeah. So before the like the first thing that was ever televised on a TV was an image of Felix the Cat. That's how mm-hmm. far the the history of the character dates back. And Felix the Cat actually just turned a hundred years old this year. Wow. Um, so yeah, Felix is a hundred years old. Um, how it's connected to me is, um, in 1959, uh, my grandma, her name was Ann Bennett. Uh, she sang the theme song to the cartoon, uh, Felix, the cat, the wonderful, wonderful cat. Mm-hmm. That's my grandma. She got paid $75, wow. uh, to do that. And, uh, the cartoon, you know, had a tremendous amount of success and, um, it was like, you know, one of her claims to fames in uh, her time. She uh, was a big band singer mm-hmm. on the East Coast and she did a lot of uh, theme songs for cartoons and stuff. A lot of them didn't pop. Yeah. But Felix the Cat did. Yeah. Um, and so it was something that she was very proud of and throughout her career and her life. Um, she got a lot of. Uh, a lot of eyes on her and a lot of ears on her for it. So, and, it, and it, um, the longevity, the longevity of it is like insanely. Is it, it, you know, reached throughout different generations still to this day? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like you know, he's just a pop culture in general. And you know, people have always called me feel uh, because of it. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's something that, um, like, there could be a hundred, a thousand other artists or or, or anything that that try to use Felix the cat or, or a similar name, but none of them are as authentic as me. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, it's, it's very personalized. Yeah. No, I, I think it's an awesome story that you have for that. And, and the deep connection, is that paying any homage to your, to your, um, your grandmother and, and, and just the character itself, the heritage? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that um, now, now it's more known, but, 
growing up, like a lot of people didn't know that my grandma sang that because there wasn't a lot of documentation on it. But fortunately, because of the Internet mm-hmm. and um, and a lot of interviews and articles that she did, um, she she received, you know, the credit for singing it. And when you look it up, you know, she she gets her credit. But it's a way of keeping, you know, her name alive and, and relevant. And um, to me, like, you know, if you look at my logo and everything like you, you know, my cat has pink <laughs> eyes, so he's either really sleepy or something else. Exactly. And to me, um, it, it represents. I call it inspirational. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to me, it represents like uh, tainted youth. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That that things are different from when they once were. Interesting. And uh, and and adds a, a, a sort of, you know, reality to um, everything that I do. You know, like sometimes it's fun and, you know, a lot of my music is fun and upbeat, but sometimes, you know, you know, there, there's some harsh realities in it. Yeah. And um, I think that uh, behind that smile in those eyes, you see a lot of that. Yeah. So I want to ask you the age old question. I'm going to hit you with the brown sugar real quick. When okay. did you first fall in love with hip hop? Oh, man, <laughs> I uh, I was a kid and um, I started getting uh, cassette tapes. So like my first cassette tapes were like um, Slim Shady LP, The Chronic, right? Um, you know, late '90s, early 2000s stuff. And um, I had a portable cassette player, and I just constantly played those cassette tapes over and over and over again. Awesome. Until it got to the point to where those cassettes, like the the tape, wore, <laughs> and so um, eventually my mom had to just buy me a CD player. Because, you know, the CDs, they didn't wear. Hopefully not. Um, hopefully so, not the por- portable one where you had to hold it up in one like angle. <laughs> no, I did have to. I did have the portable one. Yeah. <laughs> but fortunately, you know, um, yeah, I uh, I always have my CD player before that. I always had my cassette player and I was always studying cats like uh, Tupac and mm-hmm. Jay-Z and Eminem and Nas and. Right. Um, I just fell in love with it, man. I just fell in love with the storytelling of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you could go any way you wanted to go. You could be the villain. You could be the good guy. You could be a narrator. You could tell whatever kind of story and take your listener on whatever kind of journey you wanted to take them. Yeah. And so um, I just fell in love with it, man. And I had already was writing poetry and stuff. Uh, um, when I was small, like I learned how to read and write at a very young age because one of the things my grandma did was she uh she sang hooked on phonics oh, wow. <laughs> um, they used to have before even vhs tapes they used to have uh these, these hooked on phonics uh i know what you're you talking buy. about too that's not, and it that's had like a projector bad. it had like a little projector and it had like a little <laughs> film roll and like a cassette that you would play with it and yeah. on the cassette it would prompt you when to move to the next piece of uh, film and like a lot of the stuff I learned early on was like rhyming families yeah. and everything. And that's, you know, so from the, the earliest age, I can remember some of that stuff. And so I just automatically was drawn to it. That's awesome. And um, <laughs> it just uh, it turned into my life. I mean, it just became an obsession. <laughs> you bringing me back to some nostalgic things right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talking about this. But um, I mean, you talk about storytelling, too. I mean, let's talk about what's going on now in hip hop. I mean. Aside from what you guys are doing in the underground, which I do respect <laughs> deeply, <laughs> the mainstream part is: Do you feel that storytelling is being diluted in the mainstream right now? You know what i I can't say that it is like because there are mainstream acts that still continue to uh, use them. it, sprinkle it around and, the bunch, and yeah. do and do it. <laughs> Well, like um, just off the top of my head and the most recent one I could think of was uh, Lil Wayne and Kendrick Lamar on that Mona Lisa. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Which which to me is a great storytelling record. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think that it's used as often mm-hmm. as it as it once was. And I don't think sometimes, you know, it's used as effectively as it once was. But when there are some mainstream acts that when they do it, they, they really do it. Yeah. And so um, I don't think it's completely uh, diluted. I just think we see less of it yeah. and even less of it done really well and innovative. Right. 
So, so when you actually got into the game and you got started, like, I mean, obviously your first album was a big deal. It was a major, you know, part of your life, a milestone, if you will. But what actual challenges did you have putting them together? Did you have any? Putting together my first album? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the, my first album I considered to be The Cat That Never Came Down, which came out in 2014. Mm-hmm. And I did various projects before that that no one can find unless you actually had a physical copy of them. <laughs> and there's a reason for that, <laughs> you know. Um, but, um, I mean, starting off, um, you know, I mean, it's investing money into it. And also, like, you know, dealing with all the personal stuff because, like, when I was putting together my first album, you know, my grandma had just passed away. Mm-hmm. So I was dealing with her loss and then I was just getting out of a, a bad relationship, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And, you know, my girl had cheated on me and I wasn't feeling that. I, I was having issues with uh, the law yeah. and um, and things like that, questioning what I was going to do with my life. And so, like... You sound like me in high school. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like the personal um, gripes that I had to deal with during that time were harder to to maintain focus on the album, but, but I did. And I think that's... Um, one of the most difficult things is, is staying focused. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you stay focused on the project and you know, like, okay, you know, I need to get these records done. I need to hit these deadlines. I need to pay for this, this, and this, Mm -hmm. you know, so you can have an effective campaign and and you're not going to let, you know, the things that happen in your life deter you from hitting those goals. Yeah. Then, you know, you really get to it. And I would say that that was the first time that, um, I, I went through that and I succeeded. And so it, it happened to be my first debut album as, uh, as bag of tricks cat. Awesome. And so, um, yeah, that, that, that was difficult. Um, but there, I mean, it was a lot of fun too, mm-hmm. you know, like that's actually, um, you know, I had just started working with mega ran mm-hmm. around that time. We, we had done some records together. I was shooting like my very first, um, you know, like legitimate music videos and stuff. Mm hmm. Um, all original production and stuff. So like there, there's a lot of fun that came along with it too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, just like anything that, uh, is worth doing it, um, it, uh, it's not easy. I always say, I got to say, and I say it every, almost like every interview now, I say this cause we always get into these conversations, but I always tell people, you got to work hard to have fun. It's not, you know, you, you yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like that. It's, it's the truth. It's something that I learned going in in my journey and still going in my journey for what I do. And especially working with certain people who didn't understand it and get the gifs of what it means to do what you love, but you're going to do what you love, but you're going to have to earn it. You really are going to have to work hard to have fun to do it. You know, and there were people who I, another saying that I go by is like, and I'm not a lyricist or anything, but I just, it just so happens to rhyme. I don't know what it is from, but I usually say, you know, people try to lay claim to the, you know, fame or the uh, name without the gain. Yeah. And they, they see all the, the glory of what you're doing. They see all the glory of even what the little that I do and they want all the piece of it or all of it, but don't want to go into the oven to, you know, to do what it is. Yeah. They don't want to do the work. Yeah. They don't want to put in the work. They don't want to do the And that's a lot of cats. That's a lot of cats in entertainment, man. Mm -hmm. You know, entertainment, there's an allure to it of, you know, you want people to know who you are and you want your work to be respected and you mm-hmm. want your opinion to be respected. And, you know, those are all good aspirations to aim for um, no matter what industry that you choose to be in, uh, no matter what industry you choose to be in. I mean, you have to work to get that. Yes. And um, you have to pay your dues. You have to earn your stripes. You have to go through the losses. Take the risk. And uh, if you're if you if you're good enough to win, you're good enough to lose. So mm-hmm. got to earn your stripes. Couldn't have said it better. Talking about Mega Rand, I mean, he's a friend of the show. He did the, uh, you know, the intro to my to my normal prime show. And he did he did the introduction to this to the exclusives here. Um, but I know, oh, okay, cool. I've <laughs> known him for working with you for quite some time. And, you know, I, honestly, probably through him, I heard you and I was like, wow, what, what a great partner. <laughs> what a great Thank partner you, that just blends in greatly with you know to you guys 
merged together, but you got completely two different styles of how you guys, you know, uh, throw down. And it's awesome. I mean, you don't get these type of combinations like this all the time. Um, talk about when did, uh, how did you guys meet? So Mega Ran, um, I had I had known who he was. I had saw his video uh, Metamorphosis. Yeah. Um, where he's uh, turning into a bug. And I thought it was really cool. I thought the video was well done. It's storytelling record, mm-hmm. speaking on that. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it. And I, I think I was uh, I think I was maybe 19. And um, a buddy of mine who I have been working with for a long time, you, you may have know his name. He's done most of the uh, videos that I've done and uh, the videos me and Ran have done together, LJ Beats. Yes. Uh, LJ Beats. Uh, was giving him some beats and he was rapping on him and I found out LJ hit me up. He was like, you know, Mega Ran's rapping on some of my beats. I've been taking a few to record. Um, I was like, that's really dope. I want to get a record in with him. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I had this beat that LJ had given me uh, to this record called Friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, I reached out to Mega and uh, I showed him the record and I had him come down to the studio. And, you know when you're an artist and you're in the lab and you're making a record, there's a vibe is a big part of it. The, the vibe of the room, the, the vibe of everything. And, and it really reflects on the, the performance that you give and how the song turns out. And it was one of the, the first times like the vibe in the studio was just so great and so positive. And you can I hear think it in, in all of the albums that I've heard of you guys in too. Yeah. Like the, the, there was just a great vibe and great chemistry when we did that. And, um, I was like, man, like he killed it. And so, um, I featured him on another record. He featured me on one of his records mm-hmm. and, um, I was gearing up to do my first big release, which was, um, uh, the first single out of cats out the bag. Yes. Which is uh, dream girl. Mm-hmm. And so I reached out to mega to be on that record and he hopped on it. And then we were filming the video with LJ and, um, randomly he was just like, you know, I'm going to Europe here, uh, later on this summer to do a tour. Do you want to roll with me? And like, I wasn't really prepared to go, but I wasn't going to say no. So right. I was like, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's do it (laughs) you know so i got my passport i expedited everything i um i did everything i possibly could and and we went and we went on tour and we really bonded on the tour i felt and we recorded an album while we were in europe um which was the first emerald knights it was the emerald knights tour Mm -hmm. because um the reason we gave it that name was because um Knights are from Europe, and then the U the U.S. part of it, we were only doing the Northwest, mm. and so they call Seattle Emerald City, <laughs> and so we decided to call the tour Emerald Knights, and no, it had nothing to do with Green Lantern <laughs> or anything. It, it actually has to do with we were in Europe and we were in the Northwest, mm-hmm. and um, yes, yes, there's a couple things. <laughs> uh, Green Lantern is one of them. The Emerald right, Knights. you're absolutely right. I, um, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, anyway, we recorded this album out there. Um, we had beats from a Canadian producer. His name was Fresh uh, Kills. Mm-hmm. Really dope producer. And so, like, it was really like a worldwide thing because we recorded the songs in Europe with beats from a, a producer in Canada, and then we had everything mixed at um, my cousin's studio in the U.S. Wow. So it was really cool, and we released that, and then. Um, I released Cats Out the Bag and Mega released RMDM mm-hmm. and we dropped those two solo projects and uh, those went really well for both of us. Right. They both charted and um, we, we had a lot of success on our own. And then um, I opened up uh, my own recording studio in Phoenix um, and then, you know, Mega Star coming to the studio and is that the we infamous, like, you know, is that the infamous uh, studio that you always recorded and y'all did the uh, forgot what challenge that was. I feel like you guys did a couple challenges in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We do um, a lot of one take stuff. Yeah, uh, we actually have two rooms. We have room A and room B. My mm-hmm. cousin runs room A and and I run room B. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, we had just opened up the studio um, in a commercial building and stuff. And Mega just started coming through and. Um, you know, uh, I got some beats and he got some beats and we were like, at first we were like, let's just knock out a record together. And then it turned into, all right, well, why don't we just do Emerald Knights too? 
Mm. And um, yeah, we just started knocking out records. And it turned into what it turned into, which I think uh, I'm, I'm very proud of that project. Well, not only are you proud of it, segueing over that to my next question. I mean, you guys did a great success off of the latest album, uh, which I do own. And it is a part of my, a lot of my different playlists out here. Oh, sweet. <laughs> it, I thought it was a fantastic album, a great follow up album. And not only that, again, it uh, as we mentioned in the beginning, it made multiple Billboard charts. Um, what was th- what was the main goal you guys wanted to achieve with this album, and did it meet expectations? So the main goal with Emerald Knights Two was on Emerald Knights One. It's a it's a more melancholy album, mm-hmm. um, and you know we were both going through a lot at that time, and um, it's very introspective, and we both felt like there was a lot more to say. That, that we we each had a lot more to say than what we said on that album, mm-hmm. and so we wanted to say that, and we wanted to top it sonically, um, you know, content-wise, our performance-wise, versus everything we wanted to do. We wanted it to be a million times better than Emerald Knights One. Right. And um, looking back on it, I mean, if you play them back to back, I think that we we definitely did accomplish that. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like the success of, of charting and stuff. Um, I mean, we we obviously wanted the project to do well, right? And to chart, but um, it definitely exceeded our expectations. Um, hitting the rap charts and the and the hip hop R and B charts, uh, we did not expect that. You know, I mean, we kind of felt like, okay, you know, I mean, I've charted, you've charted, we'll probably hit like independent. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, we, we we expected, you know, something like that would happen, but uh, neither of us thought we would hit rap or or R and B and hip hop. Right. And so, um, yeah, we also started working with um, a producer, too. He produced uh, four tracks on that album. His name is G1 to the Rescue. Mm-hmm. Um, he produced uh, uh, Heat Stroke. He produced Unbelievable, oh, yeah. uh, Rappers in Their Feelings, mm-hmm. and uh, Love Is Here. Some of the standout tracks on there. Yeah. And um, he even sang on Heat Stroke. Um, you know, so uh, the production, I felt, was really beefed up and, and sounded great. Um yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that we uh, we did everything we wanted to and more with it. Yeah, definitely felt like a graduation album to the next level. And it, yes, it, yes. It, it did and absolutely great. We set the bar high for Emerald Nice 3. <laughs> <laughs> and, K, and to my correction, we set the bar high. correct me if I'm wrong, K Murdoch was also uh, part of this album too, right? Yes, K Murdoch produced a, a track on there. He produced um, uh, How Do You Sleep at Night. Yeah, and I definitely again segue into that. <laughs> My next question, um, because one, he sure. he's been on the show as well. He also was the producer of the theme song that is played on it on a weekly basis on the show as well. He's awesome. <laughs> I actually got a chance to meet uh, him as well uh, when he came down to Philly to work at a con that I uh, was work well, I was working with to cover media, and um, just an awesome dude. Both of them are, and I hopefully I could uh, see you down in Philly some uh, sometime soon as well. Oh yeah, I'd love to. Man, I really want to get to the East Coast. I haven't done anything on the East Coast. Um, I've only done the Southwest and Northwest and a little bit of the Midwest. I tell you uh, what, I, you know, part of the whole Keystone thing was interesting because I was, you know, I actually interviewed somebody, uh, you know, from Read Pop, which is the comic book uh, company responsible for New York Comic Con and such. Also, which led to Mega Ram performing at that event as well along with a few others so i mean keep it open i mean hopefully you know through hearsay or whatever we could get you down here oh yeah yeah it's gonna happen eventually yeah but talk sooner about sooner than later yeah damn right <laughs> if i got anything to do about it <laughs> but you know um talking about some of the tracks i mean you you mentioned some of my favorites i mean i'll go down the line as what's on my playlist um three in particular especially unbelievable of course it's just like the one that stood out to me of all it's just it's a great anthem theme right there to thank you emerald nights uh, go is one of my favorites too it's like that's a workout that's my workout spot right there <laughs> when i start working out in the spring again <laughs> but the one that really i want to focus on <laughs> and ask you about is how do you sleep at night because that one kind of hit near and dare to me you know as somebody you know who also decided to take the jump and decided to take the risk and to say like i'd rather be you know risking it rather than um settling in an office at a dead end job, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but you got to go through the, You got to earn it. Like we talked about. 
And that one was so empathetic to me in a sense that it talks about the hardships of pursuing your dreams while trying to stay afloat. Um, what were some of the biggest hardships that you went through getting to the point of your career right now? Um, well, like some of the things that I talked about earlier, like with the cat that never came down, mm-hmm. going through all that in the process of, of making an album, that was rough. Yeah. Um, you know, some of the things that I talked about in that song and, and, and ironically it, it happened to mega too. Like I was on tour and, you know, my girl's, uh, mom passed away and, you know, I wasn't able to be with her, you know, when she really needed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, that happened to mega ran too, you know, mm-hmm. his wife, uh, her her mother passed away while he was on tour and mm. like you know there wasn't much that he could do about it either because you know he was across the pond you're, you're gonna be gone the, for yeah. the next yeah you're gonna be gone for the next two three weeks and this is the money that you're relying on and mm-hmm. you know so that stuff is is tough uh you know you lose some friends um yeah. people who don't believe in you people who don't see your vision um but you gain some new ones you gain new ones man like you know what I'm saying? I lost a lot of friends, but like, you know, I, I met Megaran. You know what I'm saying? I consider right. Megaran a, a close friend of mine. Um, you know, so like you, you gain friends as well, but you, you're going to lose some. Um, a lot of it, too, is a lot of inner conflict mm-hmm. of, um, you know, can I do this? Is, is it worth it? Um, you know, and I think anybody, you know, that's an artist or in entertainment you know, goes through that. Um, you know, and, and one of the thing I read an article, uh, not too long ago, I forgot where from, but, uh, you know, people in entertainment and, and people who promote shows and all like they, they're more prone to suffering from depression and anxiety and stress. Um, because like, you know, your, your livelihood depends on the success of, you know, how dope your art is, (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So if it's not dope, then you can't pay your bills. Yeah. So no matter how you're feeling, you know, no matter if you're having a good day, a bad day, you're going through a loss, you know, you're you're stressed out. No matter what, you have to push out something dope mm-hmm. because your life literally depends on it. And, um, you know, some people can't handle that pressure. Um, but some people, uh, you know, they end up doing better under that pressure. I think I'm somebody that ends up, you know, doing better when I'm under that type of pressure. And right. I, I, I think most of the people that are successful in this field, uh, thrive under that. So, um, you know, man, like it's just, uh, it's not an easy field to get into. It's not an easy career to pursue. Um, it, it requires sacrifices mm-hmm. and it, it requires discipline. And if it's something that you don't really want to do, then you're not going to make it through. And you're not going to put your all into it. You either. do, and you're prepared for. <laughs> yeah, you're not. But if you're prepared and you know what I'm saying, it's something that you really want to do. You're gonna you're gonna breeze through all. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I can tell you from my experience, I've been through a lot of trial and tribulation in my life, so. And, you know, going to college, learning, you know, strengthening my craft and design and art and design and such, you know, dealing with teachers who will who doesn't sugarcoat at all. That really helped out, too. Um, Yeah, it's it is having mentors. Yeah. Yeah. Having mentors is so incredibly important, you know, like and I'll credit I'll credit some of my mega ran, you know, obviously was one of my early on mentors. Um, uh, There's an artist out here in Phoenix. His name's Buki. Mm hmm. Um, he's, uh, he's like a legend in Phoenix. Um, he was one of my early on mentors, uh, my business partner, uh, justice, um, who is the owner of respect the underground. He's been a, a great mentor to me. Um, you know, and I feel like without them and without their guidance, you know, what, what I have done wouldn't be possible right? because, you know, they, they've gone through the same and more. Yeah. And, um, fortunately, like some, because of them and because of learning from them, I, I was able to skip through a lot of mistakes, mm-hmm. you know, just because of them being like, Hey, this isn't a good look. Don't do that. Or, Hey, you, you should do this, you know, and I may not necessarily have had my focus on that. Right. So, 
um, yeah, ment- mentorship is is extremely important. I absolutely agree with that, and it's it's, it's crazy that we're talking about this particular issue, a situation at, at best, is because like just yesterday I was on, I was in the car with my wife, and you know we're listening to the pod, this podcast. She does a lot of, uh, she listens to a lot of health you know, mental health and fitness, you know, podcast. And they did talk about like social media influencers and how it becomes an addiction to them because their biggest thing and it, their emotional side goes, you know, higher or low, depending on how much attention they get, you know? And that reminds me of just what you just said right now, you know, and it, I, it's kind of different in a sense, in the way, because how they achieve, their popularity is way different in my opinion or as a contrast from what how you do it or how i do where you have to like um well let's say more you than me in this case because you know you're in the entertainment business you're working to make a profit some of those cats are just trying to get seen and yeah but i mean there are some influencers too like that's their job yeah you know and so if if they're posting and their and their engagement's going down or they're not getting you know the type of engagement that they want to get like that's their livelihood and they get anxiety you know, like, they get anxiety too yeah that's that's their it's not that i don't think it's the fact that maybe they they want attention but it's it's the fact that man like i'm supposed to hit these numbers mm-hmm. how how am i going to pay my bills and I, you know how am i going to need sponsorships <laughs> and such like that yeah yeah you know what i'm saying so um yeah man there's a lot of pressure for sure yeah so let's switch the gears real quick still staying in hip-hop um real quick but i gotta know what uh, you talked about a few of your like you know, the, the artist that you grew up with, but who is your true Mount Rushmore hip hop? Oh man. Mount of, of just all hip hop, everything. Oh uh, yeah. Yep. The, the, you know, they ain't no higher. <laughs> all right. Um, whew. <laughs> well, Jay, Jay Z's number one, right? Hove, Hove is the, the complete package. Mm hmm. So Jay Z is like George Washington for sure. <laughs> guy, you gotta have Hove. Um, I'm gonna throw in. Uh, we'll put Eminem in there. Eminem has had an incredible career. I have no complaints about that. Actually, he, I, in, in some cases, yeah, he's he can easily slide into that first <laughs> that first head in some cases. Yeah, I mean the the reason I say the reason I put Jay first is because Jay has had success outside of music and Eminem is really more just successful within the realm of, of music. No, you're absolutely uh, right. I mean, Jay actually, and still kept it cultural as well yes. with everything that he does. It's still, part it of all the intertwines. Culture. Yeah, it, it, it all absolutely. intertwines man from, from, uh, filmed, to to shoes, to mm-hmm. clothing, to phones, to <laughs> everything, man. You like, know, title, <laughs> you know, it just keeps yeah, going. Yeah, streaming like a whole streaming service, yeah. like, and then you know how many millionaires is he responsible for too mm-hmm. within the game, and how many dudes he sunned. So like, you know, to me, Jay's number one. Right. Um, I'll I'll give M a number two spot. Yeah. Um, I gotta throw in Tupac just because of his cultural influence and uh, and how many artists. Uh, wouldn't be around today without Tupac's influence. Very true. Um, and and the strong message that he portrayed. And it's a little controversial to say, but I, I like. I think I, I I'll take Pac over Big. Uh, mm-hmm. Big. I think Big may have been a better rapper than Pac, and and he could out rap him. Right. But I don't think his message was as strong. Well, he was. Um, I mean, like, I mean, let's call it, let's be real with it. I mean, he kind of. Him. It's him. They. Uh, I was just watching TMZ about them. Um, you know, talking about, I think I forgot what basketball team was doing a tribute to him with the Kuji uh, patterns, and Kuji is actually trying to sue the team mm-hmm. for it. But you know, when you look back at what him and Puff did during that generation of the industry, they did a lot of advertisement. They did. Remember? Oh I, yeah. Remember in the nineties how like the 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 ideology was to like not sell out, and then you yep. got these two cats coming out and glorifying everything and getting away with it and it's like killing me and in a in the same way that rick flair would be in wrestling which to me oh I, yeah i can't help but to, if i ever get a chance to be uh puff i got that would have to be my question is like were you influenced by rick flair because you, what you did is the same <laughs> thing that that brother did on tv every week in wrestling 
<laughs> yeah. He even wore the same real, damn man. Alpina, you know, average uh, aviator glasses. <laughs> yeah, man. They made you want to buy Coogee sweaters, you know? Right. It, it, but also, I think it actually, to me, and this is just my opinion, I think it also actually hurt our community and culture too, because now we got this whole new ideology of we, we have to, we can't value anything but the, but the very best, mm-hmm. which changed the eighties type of ideology and what I grew up in. And it was like, no matter what you do, just be the best of what you want to do and love what you do. When we got to the nineties and when they started popping out, it was like, no, I got to be the top. I got to be that dude. You know, nothing. I don't want to be a doctor. Yeah. I don't want to be a lawyer. I want to be that dude. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't want to bring justice to the world. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not dogging them about it either. You know, I, cause I've rocked. No, but I they, they, they changed too. the game. They yeah. They, the oh, game. they changed it for sure. Um, and I'm not, and again, I'm not knocking them, but it's just, it, it was such a heavy influence that it took us to a direction. And I'm not saying they're responsible for it because we got to be our responsible for our own stuff too. Um, it just took us to a whole new level of things and, you know, expectations, if you will, that a lot of us. Oh yeah, I mean they. I mean it helped commercialize hip hop. Yeah, it, there you go. Yeah, it, it helped commercialize hip hop for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um, and then the number four spot. That's tough, man. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think I gotta give it. You know what? I think I gotta give it to Dr. Dre just because of of the sheer influence. Again, that he's he's had on the entire uh, genre and, and culture. He made more legends, um, you know, like artists today, like the yeah. biggest, the biggest artist today, like one of the biggest artists today, Kendrick Lamar. Like, would there be Kendrick Lamar without Tupac? Nope. Or, or would there be Kendrick Lamar without Dr. Dre? You know what I'm saying? Like, and then you got to go to Snoop, and then you got to go to M, and then from M you got to go to 50, yeah, you got Snoop, go M, you good the game, <laughs> exactly. Fifty Cent, like yeah. all all the, all these cats that like you know are on my list, like are just cats that like would other artists have spawned mm. even after them? Yeah, you know, it's just their influence is just so tremendous. Yeah, and so um, yeah, I, I think that. I think I could stand by those four for my Mount Rushmore. Well, speaking of which, I got a question in relation to Eminem. We bring that up. You actually work with D12. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah, I have a record with D12. How was that experience? Because I actually, I was heartbroken kind of when, you know, with everything that went down with them and, and then the deaths that was in that group. And uh, it, it just, and I and I remember, uh, you know, Eminem's last album, he was talking about finally closed the door, opened the, opened the uh, window to everything that was happening and why they didn't continue what was going on. But what was it like working with those? Cause I thought they, those guys were fun to listen to. Yeah. So back in, uh, back in 2015, I actually uh, flew out to Detroit mm-hmm. and I was at uh, D12 studio and I was there with, uh, with Swifty, uh, Caniva, mm-hmm. Bizarre, um, King Gordy was there. Yeah. And um, uh, what's his name? Um, I think uh, Jeff Bass. Mm-hmm. And they were working on a, a D12 mix. And um, I had already done a record with Bizarre mm-hmm. um, called Never Sober. We had shot a video and stuff. And, and he was really impressed with the way the video came out. So he invited me to Detroit uh, with my videographer and my videographer shot a uh, video for them in their uh, mixtape. And then uh, we ended up uh, doing a record together while we were out there. And like it was one of those scenarios where like I I, I really did keep my cool mm-hmm. because like in, when I was growing up, you know, I, I was a huge D12 fan mm. and a huge G-Unit fan. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like so, Devil's Night is still one of my favorite albums. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I'm just, like, if I were to tell, like, my, you know, 12-year-old self, like, hey, man, like, you're going to end up in the studio with D12, <laughs> like, I'd be flipping out. So, like, I really, like, had to, like, just woo-saw <laughs> and, and make sure that I had my composure you know what i'm saying because i didn't i didn't want to fan out and i didn't you know I, I kept it very professional and cool um you know what i'm saying and, and they were very um they were very uh welcoming to the studio um you know king gordy uh took me and my man's lj he took us out for um some uh pony islands 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> uh, real, it was it was a good energy, man, and and it was a blessing to be in the studio with um, with artists that um, influenced me right. growing up. And it's a uh, it's a moment in my life that I'm never gonna forget. That that is awesome. So I got two more questions for you, but I want to definitely thank you right now. I mean, this is awesome. I love what I'm hearing. And I knew I was going to have this really good interview with you, and I was going to learn a lot about you <laughs> and everything like that. You just got the vibe that I was like, yeah, let me bring him on there. I got a feeling that I, I can learn a lot from you, and I didn't. I, <laughs> hopefully our listeners will learn a lot from you as well. So I deeply appreciate that. Um, yeah, I appreciate you having me on here, man. Not a problem. But definitely, um, with all the work that you do, and you've been hustling hard, what do you do for your chill time? Do you game, or what do you do? Like, how do you – Oh, much okay. So <laughs> – Music is like my work, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. I love it. I love what I do. It's, it's, you know, want to do anything else. Mm -hmm. But when I want to relax, my hobby, mm -hmm. my hobby is movies. Really? I love movies. I love going to the movies. I go to the movies at least two times a week. Awesome. You know what I'm saying? Um, when I come home, like if, you know, I usually get home around midnight, mm -hmm. like I try to squeeze a movie in before I go to bed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like on Sunday, like today, like I'll probably go watch a movie like when I'm off the phone with you. <laughs> you know, I'm going to probably take my girl out to go eat. We're going to go to the movies. <laughs> I imagine, I imagine. So like I love I love film, man. I, I really do. And all types of film from, you know, box office movies yeah. um, and, and classic franchises like you know i love the marvel movies i love star wars but i love all types of film i love you know documentaries i love dramas um horror movies mm -hmm. uh really almost any kind of film i i really enjoy i have a large collection of blu-rays my big thing <laughs> is steel books i love steel books at best buy I keep all this rap money just goes to steel books <laughs> some rappers some rappers buy chains and cars Nah, cuz I need that Star Wars steelbook collection. <laughs> just have it around your neck, just all, everywhere you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I do game a little bit. Um, gaming, uh, I really like games that have a story and like mm -hmm. a, a a plot that follows. You know what I'm saying? So like, I'm not really into like just a fighting game that mm -hmm. has no you just know story pick up and go. or anything. Yeah. And um, so I don't have a lot of time to play them, That's but the <laughs> uh, I do. I do love. I do love to game, though. I have a lot of. Con I have, you know, probably about twelve different consoles. Um, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a PS4 guy. I have an Xbox mm -hmm. One, but I play PS4. Um, when I do get around to it, I'm gonna be on that Resident Evil Two. Yeah. And that Kingdom Hearts Three, I did beat Red Dead Redemption Two, and that was a dope uh, run. And I, I thought the story on there was really dope and fun. Yeah. Um, but yes, film is like number one, like hobby, and then gaming would be a uh, a number two. Now, here's I got a question, movie question for you. What was your favorite movie of 2018, and what are you looking for in 2019? Oh man, I can't give you one favorite movie in 2018, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's just way, that's just way too hard, bro. <laughs> It really is. It was some like I just saw. I just finished watching Bohemian Rhapsody last night for the first time. Bohemian it, Rhapsody was fantastic. It was awesome, and I'm and I'm really happy. Um, Remy Malek won for uh, best actor. He I thought he did a phenomenal been, job. I've been a, I've been a Queen fan for like uh, years now, and like he he just did it, man. He he really ca oh he, he so killed well. it. Fantastic job. And uh, the green, I really love the Green like Book. Vice. Also, I just see. Wait, oh, Vice. How did you like? I, we oh, just Green, green Book. That. Green Book was great too. Yeah. Green Book was great too, man. I don't know why they hating on that movie. That that was a phenomenal film. Um, uh, really, all the all the movies that were up for Best Picture were really solid. It was. It, I agree. Um, typically, typically, like I'm like ah, uh, one or two of them. Like I'm like ah, uh, I don't know if that's Best Picture, but. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of them, man. Like, I, I loved all the films that were nominated. I really liked Vice a lot. I thought Christian Bale did an exceptional job yeah. as Dick Cheney. And I thought that there was a lot of funny stuff in there. There's a lot of real stuff. And I thought that was a movie that was very important um, to see. But um, as far as, I mean, box office movies, you know, I mean, that Avengers, mm -hmm. Infinity War, I mean, that just absolutely f phenomenal. I loved it. It was worth um, the ten years waiting really, for it. <laughs> oh my god! Like, 
And that leads into what I'm looking forward to this year. There, which you, there you go. Avengers Endgame. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, Episode 9. I'm looking forward to John Wick 3. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Um, that looks cr- that I'm looking like forward to Pet Cemetery. <laughs> um, it too. You know what I'm saying? I, there, there's so many you got, you got, uh, um, coming out, man. Jordan that, Pill coming out with us. Oh, us. This is going to be exceptional, man. <laughs> I, I, I told my wife. She never. It's going to be a same. My wife is too afraid to watch Get Out because uh because it look it she's not in she she can't handle thrillers, and I told her I'm like this is mm. a th- this is indeed a thriller but there's a really good message into it and I don't think she can take it. I really think and there's that- some funny parts in it too. Oh, yeah, like they it's were. not there, there, there's some fun there's some fun in there to break it up. There is and I agree and I think the same thing's gonna happen too because we were we were duped into uh, Get Out because at first we didn't know what it was when we saw these you know uh, these ignomatic trailers that they were coming out. We first, but even before we even knew Jordan Peele was a part of this project or this was his project. And then when we found out, it was like, Oh, is this a comedy? And then find out it wasn't a comedy. And then when you go in there, it's like a little bit of everything of what we thought it was and more. <laughs> I, am, yeah. I am predicting and you the know, same Jordan thing Peele is doing the, he's doing the new twilight zones too. Yeah. On CBS. Yes. And, and I'm a huge twilight zone fan of the originals with Rod Serling. Yeah. Um, I grew up on those. I still watch them to this day. And um, I wasn't really happy with the remakes they did in the 90s. I remember that. Uh, when they revamped it, I thought that was weak. <laughs> but I think that if anybody can do it, I know that Jordan Peele can. So I'm looking forward to that. One movie that I got to shout out, though, it's a horror movie since we're on the subject of it, that I feel was slept on What's and that? actually should have had some nomination at the Oscars was Hereditary. Mm. Um, that movie was absolutely terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame. I, I I was talking I was talking about this. I'm like, dude, does horror should horror have their own like category? Thriller. Man, horror? they they need to recognize something, man, because a lot of the horror movies came out. I mean, the new Halloween. I'm not sure if you're into that, but the new Halloween was great. No, I, I I'm not into horror, but I respect it. Like, it, it okay, took us yeah. years. It took us years to get back into the point where somebody sh- like movies really scared the living daylights out of people because there was a plateau. Uh, and, and, and within a few years of this where like people were just like not like it didn't meet the expectations, the, the fearful expectations that people were going in. You know, my, my, yeah. si- my sister laughed at Freddy Krueger back in the day. So I knew she it, uh, there had to be a whole threshold of fear to be instilled in there. And those Japanese horrors was the ones that did it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> they definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, uh, there's so many good movies. Um it's it's impossible to just give you one. <laughs> exactly. So, my man, uh, thank you again so much for all that you do, man, and thank you for coming on to the show. And I hope to have you back on again. Before I do, please let us know what you, what's coming up in your world, as well as um, how people can find you. So, what's coming up is I got a new album coming out on April twenty sixth. It's uh, called Felix Chevrolet. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. It's named after the iconic uh, uh, Chevrolet dealership in the heart of Los Angeles. Um, it's actually been around almost a hundred years. Um, but uh, I constantly was getting tagged in like photos of people like passing by it and being like, "Yo, Felix." And I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> so I decided to name the album uh, Felix Chevrolet. Um, it's definitely new, a new type of music for me. Um, I'm, I'm, I, there's some stuff that I haven't done on there before. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited, uh, for the people who listen to me, all, all my fans and supporters to, to peep it out. Um, I just released, uh, two music videos. I, one's a one take and then one's a, a music video. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, the one takes called a hundred years. Um, the new music video is called you ain't got the bag. Uh, both of those are going to be on Felix Chevrolet. And then there's going to be uh, several other videos coming um, towards the release of the album as well as after. Um, I just actually got finished shooting the music video for it uh, yesterday. Awesome. So there's uh, all that's coming out. And yeah, man, possibly a uh, another tour or something here later on this year. Uh, um, but yeah, that's that's what it's looking like right now. Felix Chevrolet. And as far as finding me, it's really I made it really, really hard for people to find me because I have, you know, a very uh, generic name that a lot of <laughs> artists could have. 
and I made it very difficult. So uh, no matter what platform you're on, you have to type in bag of tricks cat. And I promise you, I'm the only one that's going to come up. <laughs> now we know the origin of that. I, I really noticed that you did some you did do that changeover over the time. So I that that uh, that answer, that question has been answered. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything is just bag of tricks, cat. I thought you just so. became a member of the Wu Tang and just started flipping your names over like different aliases. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like I'm bag of tricks, cat, but I'm also, you know, Felix Dongato. I'm Felix Chevrolet, Cat Daddy Kane. <laughs> Gotta have at least five minimum. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm like the new ODB. Yeah, right. <laughs> Felix, thank you again, man. It's been a pleasure. I really enjoy it. I hope our listeners enjoy it once again. And um, guys, please go out of your way. If you're a fan of hip-hop, invest in this man. He is absolutely quality in the world of hip-hop. Whether you call it underground, whether you call it nerdcore, it doesn't matter. It's the culture. He's a part of it. He does a great job, and he's keeping it going. So, Felix, thank you so very much again. Hey, Dax, thank you so much for having me, man. I really appreciate you, and I'm glad that we were able to to figure out a time and everything to do this. <laughs> it took like take three, but we got it. <laughs> Ladies <laughs> we got it, man. Anytime. Ladies, no, no doubt. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much. On behalf of myself and Felix Dongato, a.k.a. Bag of Tricks Cat, all I got to say is learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. We are out of here. Take care. episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality.